and welcome back to the Lorgwaves. This is Azorius. I'm Izzet. I'm Rakdos. And I'm Guildless. Aww. It's okay, because the Guildless are, in fact, very strong for not being part of any guild. We will destroy you. No, they're not. Stop it. We will destroy Stop you. Stop it. We have laws <laughs> in place that ensure even and fair I don't know. Uh, privileges for all. Not gruel. Die. <laughs> Speaking of Ravnica, which is what we're talking about, we <gasps> have a new magic story. Yes. So exciting to come back to magic story after a week away. Yeah, it was um, really bugging me. Oh yeah, no, definitely. It seemed a little uh, things seemed a little dark without it. Oh, it's Zach made it funny. Yeah, no, I, I also tried to make it funny, but it's okay. What was your funny? My funny was like, life seemed a little dark without it. Hey. hey. Allison Lores again comes back to shine in this particular fabulousness little little story of hers featuring a certain planeswalker we have not seen in a little while. We're just going to go ahead and, and toss it over to Zach, aka right. Rakdos, uh, who will give us a lovely little summary of what happened. Yeah. Don't break anything, please. Please don't break anything. <sighs> But I like I like the party. I like the death. <laughs> if you're Deep- gonna break anything, it should be for the sake of research over here. For research. No breaking anything. Stop breaking things. Technology. <laughs> death. Stop breaking my friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so deep in the decaying majesty of the Golgari catacombs sits Sobislav, a pompous elf in charge of the Golgari's paperwork. They are technically the garbage men of Ravnica, so I suppose even they cannot escape the Azorius's bureaucracy. At the bottom of the day's pile, he finds a summons from Mazarek, a uh, death shaman from the Crawl, uh, this insectile race that have just recently joined the Golgari. Crawl. With a mushroom compass attached. Crawl. A magic mushroom? A magic mushroom. He laughs like a typical condescending noble, mocking how such lowly creatures as the insectile crawl could possibly dare to request the presence of their guild master. And, <laughs> and they have a mushroom seal. A mushroom <laughs> seal. How adorable. Then proceeds to recount with pride how the Golgari never turn away the marginalized and downtrodden. Except he's totally being a butt. He reconsiders and decides Mazarek may be worth his time after all. After three days of following the magic mushroom through the ever-wilder maze of the Undercity, Sobislav and his band of elves stumble into the Crawl Cavern, containing a strange ancient stone slab, and Mazarek greets them with the appropriate level of disdain befitting the sending of an underling to a summons of great importance. He asks Sobislav what the Golgari think of the Crawl, begging the question, Who the hell taught Mazarek the language of Ravnica? And thousands of insects lining the cavern laugh in a cacophonous chittering. <laughs> Sobislav replies, they are laborers and janitors and must pay their dues before earning their place amongst the Golgari. He notices his body beginning to react strangely, his vision dancing and a piercing headache building behind his eyes, just as one of his guards collapses in a seizure. Mazarek laughs, announcing that the crawl want, quote, a seat at the table, and he needs a death to open the door. And kills off the entirety of the elven entourage. A time ago, Mazarek and Vraska share a cuppa at the Gorgon's home. Mazarek recounts his upbringing, that he is the sole leader of the crawl, and how ego and pride do not exist within the hive. Curious, he asks Vraska, what is the purpose of pride? What is the purpose of pride? The better to squeeze you with, my dear. Vraska responds, it's June. (laughs) (laughs) she replies that most in her life have failed to treat her seriously 
and pride gives her the self-worth to continue despite their self-respect. Because, girl, or their disrespect. how is anyone going to love you if you don't love yourself first? Mm-hmm. 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 Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Back in the present, Mazarek relishes the pride he takes in killing the assembled elves organ by organ. The crawl chant in their clicking language, channeling the death energy into Mazarek's staff. Back in Gorgon House, Mazarek notices Vraska has a Silumgar banner and a Kamigawan origami bird hanging from her ceiling. He fumes over Golgari guildmaster Jared's disrespect, hungry for power within the guild. Vraska offers an allegiance with the Gorgon and hints at a plan. Oh, the race of Gorgon. Yes. Not an alliance with herself. Correct. Well, uh, that was they're already friends. Yeah, they're buddies. And hints at a plan she had to overthrow the swarm without bloodshed. Once more in the present, a barely living Sobislav spits at Mazarek. A crawl cannot lead the Golgari. Mazarek replies, yep. I ain't gonna do it. <laughs> cough. Vraska is cough. <laughs> then finishes off the elf, channeling the 16 deaths into a giant growth, and uses his newfound strength to push the lid off the slab. Down below, a mausoleum filled with hundreds of coffins in army formation starts to wake. Undead hands push their way out, and undead stand on their own as Mazarek proclaims, Behold, child! Umerelek, mausoleum of the erstwhile, the salvation of the crawl, and the key to the creation of the Golgari Empire. Roll credits. <laughs> so it seems to me Mazarek doesn't just want a seat at the table. He just wants the table. Yep, table for the crawl. He may just flip the table, he as it were. setting the stage for civil war on Ravnica. And a crap ton of flipped tables. Yes. Whoever thought the, the garbage men would... <laughs> rebel? <laughs> raise arms. You know, don't... Don't underestimate the people who have to take out the trash and the, and the compost. I was in Paris for about a month, and I couldn't go anywhere because the entirety of this the, the country was on strike. Oh and it turns out the week I left, the weekend I left was great because the week after that, all the garbage men in Paris went on strike. Oh, and it became the city of smells. And that definitely helped break people, that's for sure. <laughs> Do not underestimate the power of bad smells. So, Zach, are you saying that they're not going to just rebel against the Golgari, but against the whole all of Ravnica? There, there are a lot of lines set in the past uh, Return to Ravnica stories uh, where the guilds are at odds, where the whole the whole world is kind of on the edge, where they could all go to town on each other at the slightest provocation. And right now, Tessa and uh, Tajik are, I was hoping the story would continue their plotline, but they're still dealing with the Orzhov or the Ojova um, and their uh, circumventing of the Azorius law magic. And Mazarek wanting to take over through the use of undead that are quite possibly Orzhov property because it, it, it screams Orzhov. Just that there's this deep underground tomb with these stately corpses that may or may not have been bought by the Orzhov in the first place. It, it seems like something that's something in their scope. It's a fancy mausoleum. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely not just your run-of-the-mill everyday corpses because those tend to get mulched by the Golgari, correct? <laughs> yes. Yes. They, they recycled. Yes, uh, recycled or cycled protein, yes. <laughs> as it were. Upcycled, really. Yes, upcycled. Free range, definitely organic. Um, but it, what's interesting about the Golgari is that we've always seen them 
as kind of just that shady group that you kind of want to think well of because they do so much for the city. But because they're constantly in the shadows, you never really know what's going on. And so during the first Ravnica block, there was definitely some weird machinations going on with like Gerard and the Golgari. And then Gerard became a lich and it was just very complicated and there were wolves. And then last (laughs) time we went back to Ravnica, like Nevmizit kind of did some crazy shenanigans with the dragon's maze. But we didn't really get to see so much of the Golgari um, to do too much during that time. And I think the last time we saw anything was maybe, I think Vraska sent a bunch of statues to Jace or sent, sent a bunch of dead people to Jace. She encountered she? Jace and they kind of duked it out and somehow Jace was ever able to be ever so slightly competent enough to not die. Yep. So Niv Mezid is the leader of the Izzet Guild, correct? Yes, he <clears throat> is the ginormous fire mind dragon dude. He is the creator of the Izzet. His gets name bored. is Niv Mezid. So, you know, I feel like before we go into deep uh, Ravnica territory, we should. Yeah, I want to stay on this story. Well, we should go through the guilds real quick just to remind everybody of the guilds and Uh, their color pairs. So in Ravnica, there are 10 different guilds and they correspond to um, individual pairs, permutations of uh, two colors. So we have five different colors, two of each color, math, 10 guilds. We've got... Blue white Azorius, blue black Demir, black red Rakdos, red green Gruul, green white Selesnia. Then we've got white red Boros, red blue Izzet, blue green Simic, uh, green black Golgari, and black white Orzhov. Wow, that was impressive. Get mm-hmm. son. Reading anything. And what's exciting about this whole setup? One of the reasons why it became one of the most exciting planes is because one, I think a lot of car- a lot of people really like to play within certain archetypes that the the color pairings are presented. Mm-hmm. But the world building is also just really rich because each one of these guilds really just owns a certain aspect of that world. For example, the Orzhov white black. They're all about. Um, basically banking. banking and taxes and also religion. It's funny that you say world building because Ravnica itself is a city world. It's a city world. There the is, whole worlding is one building. There is no part of this plane that isn't built. <laughs> it's super built. But, I mean, even the places where they're like decaying cities, that's like where the, the gruel hang out and they're pretty built. So you mm-hmm. know. They're definitely very, very, very built. So some of the guilds will work together. For example, the Orzhov, the Azorius, uh, the Boros, and the Selesnia do have a little bit of a tenuous alliance with one another, since they all kind of really believe in white and order to some extent. But yeah, some some guilds will ally themselves with one another. Some guilds won't. In fact, they're at odds. And so the Azorius and the Golgari have definitely had beef with one another in the past. But all guilds serve a purpose within the world. So that they, is that's why all ten to are balanced. Each other. Yes. Yeah. But in this story, while it was technically about the goings-on in Ravnica, the story was kind of swooped by Vraska, our favorite resident Gorgon Planeswalker, showing up and revealing that she takes mementos from planes we have visited and also is just a really good person. Like, So, from the way she was described in, in this latest installation, she was very human. She's a victim of the racism of Ravnica, that she's a Gorgon, and because of it, she was re- like she wanted the best for her guild and for the downtrodden. 
And because of that, she was spat upon and tossed away by the, just about murdered by the, the Azorius. And so she turned to assassination because that's what she's good at. And she's been very successful at it up until Jace kind of throws things out of whack. Yeah, isn't her ultimate like she creates two one one three one one assassins? Three, three, yeah, with player death touch. With, yes, player death touch. If you basically just get key to the city and commander, just get those guys through. <laughs> um, or you just you know use her to just destroy all their permanents and then like attack and they die. It's yep. great. She's she's a fun card. She's a very good card. She's and, very rattlesnakey. But yeah, one thing I really love about Vraska is the fact that she has always been straightforward with her ideas and her mission and her goals. Like she's not Nicol Bolas. She's not other, like other colors. Like she's green, black, which is all about just trying to be honest and get well, what they want. D- d- there are different sides of green, black. For example, we've seen Garrick's green, black. That is all about hunting the biggest game for sport. Well, he's also pretty straightforward. <laughs> yes. Vraska has shifted more into the, Respect everything for how it is and kind of do your best for those that have a place in the world. When she replied to Masaryk what the point of pride is, she really said, I have a lot of self-worth despite how the world views me. And so she's, in in this single story, become more human of a character than Jace in the last three blocks. (laughs) So... I'm willing to posit that when we go to Ixalan, Vraska is going to get recruited to the Gatewatch. Oh, no. Because they very much set her in the victimized by society role here. You're too not good the... For the Gatewatch, Vraska. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. I would love to have another Black Planeswalker in the group. Yes. And she seems like a prime candidate. Oh, she doesn't need to join the gate. And just wait. Just, <laughs> I would love to see Jace's face when he's like, that Gorgon lady is joining us? What? And then she destroys him. Because... Maybe they just they get their butt kicked by Bolas, and then they go hire her to go kill him because they can't do it. <laughs> How awesome would that be? <laughs> that would be pretty rad. They're like you're a good assassin. She right? would she would charge like they would just approach both Kaya and and Vraska and just be like, hey, hey, <laughs> we've hey got girls. some work for you. <laughs> hey, ladies. So what She's I do like, like about Vraska, Vraska is, you need yeah. to go get Bolas stoned, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what I do love about Vraska's point, Ba-dum. though. <laughs> what I do like about Vraska's point, though, to Mazarek is that the way that she interprets black as Part, it's just self-preservation. Yeah. You need to put yourself first. Yep. And that's just great. And it's one of the reasons why we kind of quoted uh, RuPaul earlier. Yep. Because <laughs> it's the exact same sentiment. You know, these are like she is a person who has been basically abused and and malnourished and just a victim of the system her entire life until she planeswalked for the first time, and then she was able to gain self-control. And now she's basically trying to. I guess integrate that kind of self pride and preservation into other people in her natural like community and whatnot. So that's yeah. a, that's an interesting interpretation uh, interpretation of green black. Yeah, but Mr. Mandibles takes that pride and he really turns the volume up. <laughs> <laughs> he takes it to eleven. <laughs> yeah. I feel so good when I kill this guy's pancreas. Ah, oh. <laughs> cell by cell. Yeah. So we've got he has a supercharged wizard staff, and then he goes into this mausoleum and 
att- like starts resurrecting. Who the well, hell that's the knows thing. what? It wasn't even like he didn't do the the resurrection. There was a spell in place that did it for him. Like these were ready-made soldiers. So he just triggered the, whatever curse or spell or whatever that enchantment that was already there yeah. with, with the deaths of these 16 elves. The 16 deaths he used as a giant growth. He literally just made himself super strong so he could open this lab. <laughs> like that's all. Like he literally needed the deaths to get an ad- additional points of power to literally open the door. Plus what? What is the if you I guess if you were to add points of toughness for each elf that you kill. Plus 16, plus 16. Yeah, plus 16, plus 16. <laughs> yeah, but a giant growth is plus 2, plus 2 for plus one three, plus green. Super so plus ginormous three plus three. growth. Plus 3, plus 3. Yeah. It's part of the boon cycle. The original five one mana spells that did three of something. So you've got Dark Ritual, which makes three mana, Lightning uh, Bolt, which does three damage, uh, Ancestral Recall, which draws three cards and is perfectly fair magic card, and uh, Healing Salve, which is prevent three damage. <laughs> or gain, or three, gain three life, which is you know approximately equivalent to draw three cards. Yeah. So the question <laughs> I <laughs> the question I have is sixteen elves sixteen elf lives are worth one green mana. Uh, that wasn't the question I had, but that's an interesting point. <laughs> so the question I have is like, what the heck were they doing to the crawl to push them into a quarter and make them act this way? Because well, they were really just like treating them as subservient people. So yeah. Anyways. Yes. Yes. That's what I, I that. The they were la- the the laborers of the Golgari, so they were doing all the the push work, the muscle work, and not getting anything. It, actually, they were getting a lot in return. They were getting a lot of scorn. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, uh, even as the mushroom stamped invitation came in through the mail. Uh, what's his butt? Sad. Sobzalek. Sobzalek. Sobislav. Sobislav. My so, name is Sobislav. No, that's, no, that's that, Bolas. That voice is explicitly sorry, reserved. Never mind. I'm sorry. So, for hour of devastation. So, so getting back to Masarek, I mean, we we see that there are pains taken in the story to really round out his character and make him kind of adorable. I mean, I love the scene. Adorable? Well, I love the scene where Vraska is making <laughs> tea for... She's making tea for the both of them and she puts one teaspoon in her cup and, and like... Eight in Eight his. in his cup and then he's <laughs> like... Just with his little mandibles and just is like drinking the tea. It's adorable, he's okay? Like, how do I drink this? He's the how bug from Men in Black 1. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I need <laughs> but I think it's cute. So I don't know. I mean, that moment, moments like that where he's just like, he he clearly feels like hurt and he he's the leader of his people. He feels like he's failing them. So Vraska's offering an adorable cup of tea that's basically 50% sugar. And, you know, like an alliance with the Gorgons. Yeah, it's I mean, that's that's pretty so great. Sweet. You know, it's very, very sweet. And it's it's a true friendship. That's what's uh, the other thing that's great about this color pairing is that there isn't really deceit there, honestly. It's just Vraska has been confirmed to be in a genuine friendship with Masarek, and that's adorable. Yeah. So I also I loved that Alison Lures confirmed that it was the Solemgar banner that she had on her wall. Oh, that yeah, she's totally. traveled to Tarkir and seen seen the clans there and, and it makes could possibly sense, be involved in a return to Tarkir. Because there are snake people there, too. Yes. <laughs> well, she hasn't been to Ama. Well, maybe she's been to Ama. We don't know about that. We but don't she know. also had the Kamigawa and Origami Birds because that's the only Japanese plane we know of so far. I would mm-hmm. totally love to hang out with Raska in her awesome apartment. 
with with her cool like travel stuff and half tea. She just sounds like a really awesome person. Speaking to do of which, with. she may be a former member of the Story Circle, which Ooh. was the original name of our podcast, by the way. But the Story Circle was a group of planeswalkers, uh, Elspeth, Johnny, Narset, and Tamio, that were kind of loosely aligned in telling stories of you know the goings on of the multiverse, and this side of Vraska kind of puts her in that intellectual group. Like, she could fit in there. And I, again, they're, they're doing a very good job of setting Vraska as a not-evil character. Yeah, hey, very much so. You, you think Gorgon, you think Medusa. And I, but when you, like, the it, thing is, like, the stereotypical Medusa, Medusa was just, like, kind of an arrogant person, but not really. Like, she was a really good... Yeah, no, I'm like, Medusa... No, she was really arrogant, and then she got cursed by yeah. one of the gods. No, 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 she... she no, it, what this happened... Greek, Greek mythology. What happened yes. was that she was taken forcibly by Poseidon in Athena's temple. And Athena blamed her because that's just how Greek mythology is. Yep. And Poseidon got off easy for it, and so Medusa just ended up being in a temple where she killed lots of people with eyes that turn people to stone but um returning to the story but like once again that just says you know the medusa the stereotypical medusa is the exact opposite of what is actually true medusa is this poor cursed figure a total victim of society and this is vraska returning to those roots of like ravnica has clearly been cruel to me and i'm undeserving of this also just getting back to Ravnica and the fact that this is happening. So we see this is also just setting up for a return to Rav, return to return to Ravnica. Yes, yeah, Ravnica three. Ravnica three, the Ravniking. Um, <laughs> the so, Ravniking. The Ravniking. But the return of the Ravniking. Things. <laughs> the things. Things on Ravnica are are just falling apart. The fact that. The guild pack can just up and walk away. Yes. And he's been missing for who knows how long. And that yes. was just so... Uh, God that damn was it, mentioned Jace. in the story. And, and just like the fact that the guild pack is now a person who can just up and walk away. That... And that's all he's done. That's all he's done. So the guild pack was basically an enchantment slash treaty from all of the guilds saying that they're going to do their best to work together and won't, it wage, literally, won't wage open war against each other. Yeah, it binds... Uh, it sets a magic upon the world that binds all law to reality. So, like the Azorius magic was basically putting the uh, the Guild Pact into effect. Like, there's this world enchantment that says these are the laws. If you break them, we can use magic. We can channel that to affect you. Mm-hmm. So, why was it necessary to channel all of that magic into one spe- one specific person, the Living Guild Pact? i.e. Jace. Basically, there was this maze set up that was a backup in case the guild pact ever failed so that whoever solved the maze became the next guild pact. I don't know why it was necessary to put it in one person, but Jace was a dick and stole it from Ralzarek and became the living guild pact. And then it was like, eh, screw it, I'm out. I don't really care. So did he take with him all of the guild pact magic? It's it's still binding the plane, but his word is law. Which is why in the the Tessa story, she comes to him with like a little um, with like piece a of legislature. Yeah, yeah. That she she wanted to have it was worded just so she could manipulate it, and if she could get Jace to agree to it, it became law, and she could use that magic to uh, circumvent these uh, the Orzhov wards and get in and start messing with stuff there. Yeah. So the fact that Jace just keeps 
buggering off and not really doing anything useful um, and, and basically just making sure that, you know, laws that need to be changed can't be changed because he's just not there to authorize any changes. It creates a bottleneck. It creates the worst bureaucratic bottleneck. And I'm sure many of you in corporate understand what I'm saying. So, yeah, you take a vacation for two weeks. You come back and you've got like 90 bazillion emails in your email box. And yeah. And Jason's been doing this for like six months straight. Yep. He's just off somewhere. He's going to come back to like the office burning down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lavinia hates him so being, much being right now. Being overrun by bugs. <laughs> being overrun by bugs. The secretaries have revolted. No one's taking out the trash in weeks. There are there are no more clean dishes, and there is no toilet paper. God damn it! Who's been living in Jason? Still just throwing a big old carnival. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> They've set fire to the remaining trash in the waste baskets in the back, and yep, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm just th- so fed up with Jace right now. Yeah, I don't understand what's up with him. He needs to. Be a better guild pact. Like he, he could be so much, uh, and right now he's just the worst character in Magic. But hey, now we can get Vraska back. Maybe she'll be a better person. A better Jace. Maybe we should devote person. five minutes in future episodes for Zach to rant about how, <laughs> how, how bad Jace This has is been five minutes days. of Jace's an ass. You know what really <laughs> grinds my Jace lately? Uh, <laughs> well, I was th- like, I could use those five minutes. Like, damn. Well, thank you, Allison Loris, for yet again another great story. Thank you for humanizing some characters that are difficult to humanize. And thanks for very subtly putting in a little bit of frustration with Jace constantly just going off places. <laughs> we, we appreciate that. And with that... We'll go ahead and go to our sponsor segment. Which has nothing to do... <laughs> nothing to do with the story whatsoever. It has nothing to do with the... <laughs> It's okay. We get our sponsors where we can, and we're just happy to have them. So with that, we'll we'll just go ahead and and pop over. Time to work it out. Yeah. Feeling tired and out of shape? You need Hazersize. Stuck in a sarcophagi from dusk to dawn? You need Hazersize. Need to impress a brainwashed god? You need Hazersize. Hazersize. Developed from the forgotten traditions on the desert plain of Amonkhet. This simple 10-minute routine will work you out, stretch your body, and rouse the attention of even the most indifferent gods. In her flagship video, Buns of Zeal, Hazersize founder Samet teaches you her acclaimed routine. All right now, step in place, but with haste now tap to the left. Two, one, exert yourself. Two, one, untap to the right. Two, one, exert again, now from the top. Empower your doubt with the splendid agony of Hazersize. Warrior pose into reed bending in the wind stretch. And repeat after me. The God Pharaoh is the great trespasser. The God Pharaoh is the great trespasser. Fists in the air and hold. Two, three. Come on, really disbelieve! Four, five, six. Now work that cartouche. Ignite your spark with Hazard Size. Order Buns of Zeal now and receive a free copy of Gideon's Abs of Intervention.
Wow, that sounded like a really, really great promo. I'm kind of down to do this hazardous thing. Let's totally feeling worked out just listening to it. You I got what? some zealous buns right here. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know what also needs some workout? Our brains. Mm-hmm. We're going to go ahead and launch to our second segment of the afternoon, and we're going to go and get into some math. Word, yeah. If you like math and you like adding lands to your deck, you're going to love this second segment called... Oh. How many lands should you have in your constructed deck? Math or size? Math or size. Math or size by the Lorgoives. How many land will... Oh, oh, What's that? Wow, we've got some breaking news here. Okay, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Yosh there at the Lorgoif News Desk. This just in. The French mothership has leaked some new cards today. Two planeswalkers and a... What's this? A three-mana sweeper. Back to you, Lorgoifs. Oh, wow, Justin, Zach, Yosh. I mean, that sounds pretty amazing. What about... Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's take a look at what we've got. Where on earth should we start? Let's start with Summit, the newly ascended, and pure garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, not again. Not another red-green, like, almost there. This this is the worst planeswalker I have seen since Sahili Rai. I looked at this card, and I'm like, is this going to be in one of the Planeswalker dual decks? Because she is really UP for underpowered. It'll catch on. (laughs) But, like, when you look at Summit... There are two cards, that two uncommons that spring to mind right away that just do her job better. Nothing she does is green, by the way. All of her effects are red. No, searching for a creature is green, right? Sure. The, the ultimate is is is. is well, she doesn't draw a card, so it's but, really not like spring to mind. But it's more like a, uh, a uh, sneak attack, yeah. so it still falls within red's color pie. But her plus is Blood Mist, a three and a red enchantment that says at the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature gains double strike. So she's worse than a Blood Mist, and her two, her minus, you know, she starts at four loyalty, so she can minus to Fork Bolt, or mostly just do Shock Shock, which is, uh, is it Furious Reprisal from Kaladesh, that is three and a red, deal two damage to two target creatures or players. Mm-hmm. So there are just there are two uncommons that do her job better yeah, in standard right like now. She only does a half a shock. A Chandra's Pyrohelix here. She doesn't do anything better than that. Deals yeah. two damage divided as you choose. But she can minus twice. Is what I was saying. Oh, in total, right? So, that, that's why I'm saying that the the spell is just a better version of this. So what's interesting about this particular iteration of Samut, though, is that we see if she's dropped a color. So well, what does and that some mean? Weight. Well, yeah, yes, she's she's, she's uh, gotten a pretty. She's slim. so small and weak. Somebody get her a sandwich. Oh come on! Let's that... not body shame Samut, guys. It was, it was all night in the cart in the sarcophagi. I'm not I'm not body shaming her at all. I'm saying that she's she's much skinnier. Maybe she's happy being a one-two. We we don't want to dictate other people's sizes for them. On top of that, this is the second planeswalker of color we've had in as many blocks that has been garbage as printed. Yes. Sahili managed to find a combo that slipped through the cracks, but she is still the worst three-mana planeswalker of all time. Okay, so, well, let's go ahead and kind of try to delve into maybe what does this mean for the story? Because we see she's dropped well, we a color. All, we all guessed that she was going to spark, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, so she didn't technically that. drop a color. They just added white to make her more playable in Commander. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say that we predicted that she would get her spark. Yeah, it was pretty, we did. Guess. It was pretty obvious in the story. Yes. But given her abilities, what does this mean for our devastation? It means that she's going to be spearheading the dissenter movement that spreads through the populace as they realize that Bolas and the gods have turned upon them and are wrecking their faces. So here's a couple hat moment. Okay. Does she spark because Jero gets killed and that's her trauma? <gasps> and that's why she's pissed. Oh, nah. uh, man. 
Okay, uh, well, she can't be that angry because her damage abilities are not really that devastating. But that would actually be pretty good. I, yeah. I think that the reason why she lost white is because she no longer believes in the order of Amonkhet, like in the, the natural state of Amonkhet. She should have never had white on her in the first place. Well, it was put there for commander. It didn't fit her character. It was there to be sort of an exert lord. And if I could erase it from her card just to have her be a red-green planeswalker, I would in a heartbeat. Because it sends mixed signals in draft, and my cube really needed her. <laughs> but, yeah, no, so I do think that she's basically the end Horas, uh, the, the, of the, basically the rabble rouser of the, the riot that will emerge as Amunket decides to revolt, um, which is a little awkward considering we just saw that. I think Kaladesh didn't count. Kaladesh didn't. They were like, "Hey, we're buddies. Let's attack the government." Oh, the government lost. Yay! So we moved to to Bantu when we talk about this revolt. So yeah. So in the card, Bantu's last reckoning, it is one black black sorcery. Destroy all creatures, lands you control. Don't untap during your next untap step. To the last, Bantu wanted only to be first among the God Pharaoh's subjects. So. This uh, does tie back to one of our tinfoil hat moments where we were wondering whether or not Bantu had betrayed the plane to Bolas. And it provides no new information on that front. And doesn't provide no, any information, but we couldn't speculate. I think, it prov- I think it affirms that. I mean, it doesn't outright affirm that, but I highly doubt we're going to get a cycle of gods being overthrown by lots and lots and lots of people. I'm fairly certain... Most of the gods are going down here. That all the gods, or if at least all but Hazaret, maybe uh, one of the others, but most of them have been fully completed by, or sorry, completed. fully controlled by Bolas. <laughs> They've been reprogrammed. And it doesn't, this doesn't say that Bantu ever did anything of her own free will. This just says that the programming that Bolas instilled in her forced her to, all, all the way to her death, want to be his favorite it could also be that like as black wants power right when bullish showed up she was just like well he's the most powerful thing around yep. so then i'm going to stand in line first because no one can defeat this guy but i'm going to be the first in line so i can i can ally myself first and then i'll do whatever he says i'll enslave the other gods to his will and i'm going to be from what summit found there was great battle or there was a lot there was a lot of fighting when bolus showed up originally it wasn't a smooth transition so that implies that no, Bantu didn't assist Bolas in enslaving unless, the other gods. Unless Bantu killed off or, or assisted in killing off the other three gods that are gone. Maybe she defected at some point. I mean, we've and, only and again, ever seen one. It doesn't. Wall. Bantu easily could have helped killing the other gods, but after Bolas like mind controlled all of them, it all of this could have happened after Bolas's spell. Well, what does that mean to the last? It means Bantu is dying in this picture. Yeah, Bantu is going to. This is to the, the last. Means Bantu is going to be dead. And gone by the end of the story. This is Bantu's demise. So. Being eaten to death by lots and lots of humanoid possible uh, Or maybe being destroyed zombies. by Bolas. And there's like, you know, what if Bolas came and, and commanded the gods to destroy the world? Speaking and so this is Bantu. of Bolas, card number three, Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh. Okay, so Nicol Bolas remains true to the other Bolas iterations in that he is pretty kick butt. He is gigantic, insanely powerful. And just, he's got four loyalty abilities this time. Yep. He ticks up to steal your opponent's spells. He also ticks up to strip cards out of their hand. He minuses to kill their biggest creature or their face. And his ultimate exiles 
everything your opponents control. He can kill gods. He can kill gods with his ultimate. And that's kind of a big deal, considering what we just saw with Bantu. Yeah, it's true. true. So, I mean, so the thing about that that I really am quite sad about when I see Bolas versus Samut, Bolas clearly is a kick-ass Planeswalker card. And Samut's just not. And and again, reiterating what Zach said, it is disappointing to see a native Planeswalker the basically the figurehead of the plane just be so let down yeah, by I design. Mean, you know, counterpoint here, she did just spark like two minutes ago. I mean, do you she remember made... Jace <laughs> Telepath Unbound? You remember when Jace Vrin's Prodigy sparked and turned into the most busted three or two mana planeswalker ever? And then Liliana, heretical healer, flipped yes. over. She's she's pretty cool too. Remember when Domri Raid, as a kid, transformed and was a better three-mana planeswalker in red-green? Do you remember when Tybalt... Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> okay, fair enough, but I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. There's some shade over there. You know. said shade for Tybalt. Oh, poor Tybalt. What is, he's the one that's red-red, right? Yeah, he's yeah. red-black, and he's just a butt. Well, his 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 real behind-the-story, or behind-the-scenes uh, color identity is red-black, but the card he got printed as was just the red-red all bad activated abilities, the end. Well, you get what you pay for. Yes. <laughs> There's a difference in the loyalty abilities of a seven-mana Planeswalker and a two-mana Planeswalker. That there are, and Bolas fully demonstrates that. Yeah. By basically, if you give him the opportunity to do that by casting a lot of Dark Intimations, like, he can just crush your opponent's face. Yeah, well, one of my favorite things about claws. this card is that his minus can deal seven to an opponent. So if you at, if you cast a Dark Intimations, which is a, a card from uh, Ether Revolt, that when it's in your graveyard, you may exile it to have your next Bolas enter with additional loyalty. If you have cast a Dark Intimations, Bolas will enter with eight loyalty and can dome your opponent for seven and then dome your opponent for another seven and just deal 14 damage, unblockable, over two turns. So does this mean for certain that Bolas is going to basically just squish the Gatewatch? I mean... I've always been in the camp that Bolas should be winning this fight. I'm getting the feeling that Wizards is going to say, oh, somehow the Gatewatch doesn't lose and Bolas is forced off the plane. But I'm not a fan of that ending. Do you think he arrives in Pharaoh Drag or do you think he arrives <laughs> and then runs to like the God Pharaoh's dressing room he, he's been puts planning the pharaoh this drag gone. he's gonna show up in pharaoh drag like yeah. he's probably got a ginormous dragon sized closet somewhere probably on zendikar not just on another plane he's just made his own plane of he just closet. probably he's made been, his own closet plane he's yeah. been hyping this arrival for decades he's like got it marked on his calendar he's like oh this is the day i get to show up in pharaoh drag <laughs> he's had that outfit you know pressed dry clean it's been laid out for him there's no way he's not showing up ready to the event by the way it is now canon that uh, Bolas has made his own closet plane. Yes. Like, it's a plane just entirely made of it. It's just a giant walk-in closet. It's like the meditation realm, but like a, a subset of that. There's just the Bolas's closet. Yep. And it has a direct connection to a dry cleaners. Yeah. <laughs> he's enslaved a bunch of dry cleaners. They live on the plane. And oh, yeah, definitely. He just, he just drops it off every now and then. He's like, hey, there you go. <laughs> the trial of Goldleaf begins. <laughs> 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 
Paint me. Paint me now. <laughs> Next, a trial of liquid eyeliner. <laughs> no. You Kim? failed. You got it in my eye. I will devour your soul. You call that a kitten flick? <laughs> am I not fabulous? <laughs> yes, Borlas, you are. No, tell me I am fabulous. You're fabulous. Is this me or in this new picture, does his head look really small compared to the rest of his body? <laughs> I think it's advantage perspective. Okay. Don't body shame Bolas, Yosh. <laughs> just, just saying. Like <laughs> he the actual was, skull he, part of his face. He can't help that he was painted that way. Yes, it's it's mostly just the lighting making his <laughs> neck look smaller. Like uh, you can see. This well, the bottom of, of his neck looks huge, and then it kind of gets skinnier, and then this head that's pointing right at you just looks tiny. tiny I think tiny. you're just in a very awkward vantage point as you see. It's not his most flattering angle. Okay. This is like us hiding behind a rock and peering out as he's like annihilating people. Yeah. yeah. We're like, oh, that's what he looks like. Yep. So he shows up. Do we think that the gods just immediately start dying or start killing people? What's their guess? Here's So my tinfoil hat is on. Mm-hmm. Here's what I think happens. He shows up. He starts wrecking the place. Just just right away. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't do anything. Just starts killing people. No, he's got to check in with what he's whatever he's been yeah, working out he's... here. I hope not. I really, <clears throat> I don't want another Tezzeret monologue. Of... No, no, he's not going to check, check, check in with them. He's going to be like, hey, Razakath, any planeswalkers? And Razakath's like, no. But I got this zombie army of like Lazatep Uber mummies. And most like, eh, I'll take it. And just starts now. How are they with blending? Blending is very important. <laughs> blending is very important. Look, Speaking these claws of. aren't great with brushes. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, so he comes in. Sure, he does a little introduction, has a little check in with Razakath, and then starts obliterating everything. Meanwhile, Nissa is. What if, what if the tink, gods tink, are just Bolus's hype men? They're like, introducing the one, the only, the legendary dragon, the mighty elder planeswalker, Molas! And then he shows up and he's like, oh, they all think they all think lip sync. When did this turn into the Bolask Burlesque show? I don't, I don't understand. After he came out of it's the closet. It's the Bolask show? <laughs> okay, so... So the thing about... Bolas, though, I mean, he's obviously going to be the bomb, mythic, rare planeswalker in this set, and that's just going to be absolutely completely crazy. uncastable, but great. Completely uncastable. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's going to be constri- like, I don't think he's going to be dra- limited playable too much. I don't know. We'll oh, see. I would it depends on how much the, I would the, build a rec- I, Yeah, it depends on how open, much the format slows down. I'm going to open him as my uh, promo, and uh-huh. then we're going to go to town. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. We're going to see the sights. We're going to have fun. But the yeah, sites are all on fire, but we'll see them. So Nissa tinkers with the guides and is able to hack into um, the ley lines that make them up. Yeah. So ro- he, she restores Ronus, Kefnet, Oketra, Oketra, and Hazaret. Hazaret, and then like goes over to Bantu and is like, "Wait, you're 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 not corrupted." I I don't know. We'll we'll see. But it's exciting to see that. Even with just these three cards, granted they are kind of three very major cards. If you look closely set. at the yard in Bantu's Last Reckoning, you can see Gideon on top of her head saying, Who's ambitious now? Who's <laughs> ambitious now? <laughs> Actually, if you look at the card, he's the one on the spear. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> After he says that, oh, like, dear. you did not. 
So, is, is it sand falling out of her mouth, or is her is the tip of her mouth starting to disintegrate into dust? It's actually Ooh. her lipstick. <laughs> the card is very tiny, so we will we will see what happens yes. when it happens. Unfortunately, the art is blurred on these, so we not, cannot tell yeah. whether the uh, humanoid figures swarming Bantu are the anointed or the living uh, residents of Amonkhet. Or what if she stepped outside the Hekma and they're all like... Yeah, it could be those too. Because the Hekma yeah. is coming down. It's just very dusty. Also, in the running for my favorite art for the set. It's pretty sick. It's... It's going to be a fantabulous playmat. It's terribly dramatic. Like, is she, is she, because she's clearly crying out. Is she crying out? No, it's because... more like a rage roar. I think that's. Are you, are you sure it's a rage roar? I mean, it could it's be called the opposite. Last it Reckoning. could be like, it could be like, why? I followed you, Bolas. Why? I don't know, but it is pretty cool. And. I don't. I, I don't know. It's... They're actually all giving her a massage, and she's like, "Yes, <laughs> right there." Uh, but the the light is really bright uh, in the lower left hand corner, and then very dark in the upper right hand corner. And it's, it's fabulous just composition. Marvelous. I I could seriously talk about this art for like the next twenty minutes. <laughs> So someone get Magic Man Sam on the line. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing about these cards, even though there's only three of them, is that we've already, I think, learned a little bit more, like a lot more, actually, about what we're going to expect in the next set. Yeah. yeah. And lo and behold, Bolus is the bad guy. Sam it ignited, <gasps> as we kind of expected. So we, we thought it would be a toss-up between her and Jeru. I, think oh, we're I was all pretty heavily pretty in favor of Samit because of how garbage her design was in the first place. But a lot of people were very excited about Jeru. I do like Jeru, but... If they're telling a story, that, I mean, true, she needs to. There needs to be a certain rhythm, and she does need to show up again. But again, like her, her card has nothing to do with her planeswalker card. Yep. So the promo that, the, or the advertisement that spoiled this image was for Standard Showdown. Mm. Interesting. So are these the three flagship chase cards of the set? Or? Probably. They are most likely. Uh-huh. Though I'm not going to be chasing Samet. She's too fast for me. Uh, <laughs> the thing about Amonkhet and Aridization, I don't want to delve too much into just deck building things like that because we're more Vorthos themed. Um, it's just the fact that we've seen a lot of really great commons and uncommons. And so even though these are like super hot and kind of fancy. Oh, that bowl is so hot. It's mm. He's very shiny. All that light just radiating off him. You know? um, yeah, they really did a great job with making him imposing. Yeah. Powerful. I think so. We'll see how how it goes. I think it'll be one of the situations where they have the standard showdown, and maybe this is one of the premium things that you get in your little packy pack. But um, <laughs> packy pack, little little standard packy pack. But uh, it, it just you know won't be all that exciting if you do receive her. So yeah. all I want for Christmas in July is a path to exile and lightning bolt invocation. <laughs> Sadly. You're gonna you're gonna miss on one of those. So we're going to get more invocations next set. That's for sure. So we're getting damnation. We're getting swords to plowshares, and we're getting lightning bolt. No, <laughs> no swords to swords to what? Said most magic players. Uh, swords Path to plowshares. To said everyone. Path to exile. You've got Nico Bolas, and he's like, I'm gonna exile you. Bolas doesn't cast white spells. Yeah. But he. Oh. That's good. That's a good point. <laughs> That's a good point. But here's a question: for I have, Is are there are all the gods you think going to have some sort of last story moment or or story moments? Yeah, I don't know. This could be part of a cycle. I feel like yeah, they're they're big into cycles, right? So I could see 
there's going to be five different nothing but board wipes for our devastation. Yeah. <laughs> like um, Kefnet's last stand could be just an enormous cyclonic rift. Yeah, I was going to say it's just like a cyclonic rift where your lands don't untap. I don't think they'd make a cycle of lands don't untap cards, but, no, but... it's a very interesting way to make a three mana sweeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, what's her face? Hazaret has one red red that deals three damage to each creature with cycling three. I think Hazaret's going to break out. I think Hazaret's going to disrupt her programming yeah. and manage to return to the side of the living people just in time. So, just in time. I, I, wouldn't, really I wouldn't doubt if Hazaret's yeah. the only god left standing at the end of this. Like Hazaret breaks out and all the rest still are programmed to get hacked or whatever, but maybe Hazaret's the last one standing. I would love it if if Hazaret and Oketra survived mm-hmm. and the three gods that we that have disappeared return and take the place of Bantu, Kefnet, and uh, Ronas. We don't know what he think about Ronas, though. He's nah. got really buff arms, and he likes Hydras. Well, Ronas snack. got bonused in this story. Yeah, there's no Ronas story here. No. Yeah. They kind of like offhand mentioned that they went through his trial twice, but uh, yep. that's it. No yep. love for Snack. No love for Snack. <sighs> Poor Snack God. So you think that Hazaret and Oketra are going to break out? Possibly Oketra, most definitely uh, Hazaret. I'm going to vote for Hazaret. Yeah, I don't know about Oketra. Oketra is definitely on the fence. I mean, she's so, she's such a big believer of the status quo. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's going to be unclear when she gets there. If she does, it's probably because of the compassion she feels for her her people. Or the Nissa hacking. I'm, or the Nissa hacking. I'm, I'm and or the Nissa hacking. The hacking. I'm still, I still don't by, bypass it. Somebody dies in this one of the Gatewatch. Well, Kefnet's going to die. No, 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 no. The oh, Gatewatch. Sorry, the Gatewatch. The Gatewatch. I just had and this thought that Kefnet is totally going to die because he's an Avon. <laughs> Avon's oh, just Avon's just... That's true, the Avon's... The, no Avon's love for Avon. Can't cut, can't make it. Ball of flame. Done. <laughs> stinging <laughs> shot. Stinging shot. Mm, tastes like chicken. Yeah. Multiple stinging shots. <laughs> That's okay. I'm, I'm still the thing that maybe one of the Gatewatch will finally meet their end. And my, my get... By the way, maybe still on this... Uh, like they gave her all this good character development, then they can like take it away from you. you. Like if they if they hadn't just given her blue, I would be all for Nissa's about to die. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Okay, I'm just saying that's my thing. Is that maybe she hacks all the, the gods and like that's her like last sacrifice. That's well, you're not the only you're not the only one, Yosh. Because if you go to the interwebs and you which I have tried and, to avoid, and you read <laughs> the YouTube comments and the Reddit Ooh, comments, why do you read YouTube? Comments? Yeah, really. The the magic community. They're out for blood. But that's not actually what they want. No, it's not. What they want is an increased sense of, of stakes, of like of actions mattering, of consequence. Because so far, the Gatewatch has been laughably successful. But I would love them to take a loss, but I don't think anyone needs to die. Like, we've become desensitized to death in media these days because we watch Game of Thrones and everyone freaking dies all the time. And so we're like, oh, that's what we should expect. Like, if we care about people, they should die. But it doesn't need to happen. Like, so, stories with consequence have been happening since forever and the main characters don't die. So great seems- great analysis, Zach. We're going to take that analysis and we're going to put it into the condensed interwebs machine and boil it down to two words. Kill Gideon. No! <laughs> No death. Those are my two words. So here, here's what I think. Um, I know we've been going on for several episodes about uh, the tinfoil hat thing. and I mean, we're, we're prime time for tinfoil hats. We are prime time for tinfoil hatting. However, I, I don't think anyone's going to die. I do think that we're going to have kind of like a Pyrrhic victory or some kind of standstill. What I mean is that 
Bullis is probably going to end up abandoning the plane, but mostly because it just he just decides that it's not worth it. Like he decides to just leave or something, maybe not necessarily because he feels like he's outclassed, but perhaps because he didn't anticipate the Gatewatch and now he needs to go and plot more in his um, awesome closet plane. And because like yes. it, it didn't give him anything anyway. He's like, oh, I ran this whole experiment, didn't get yeah. anything. I mean, this is one of the first things that he did after the mending. So it could be that this is before he maybe created the Infinite Consortium before he basically became the godfather of the multiverse. The god pharaoh of the multiverse. Inter- interesting enough, that points out that Amonkhet's only been this way for about 60 years, right? Or a <laughs> yep, less yep. Since, the, uh, since, the, since the mending. So, I mean, he... When I think of like parallels with the Godfather, it's like kind of like when when Michael j- makes some mistakes or something like that. When he when you first start a job or whatever, he's like, "Well, I'm gonna have this petri dish, and then I'm gonna forget about it." Oh right, uh, kitchen timer just dinged. I should go back now. Yep. Um, but I I don't think anyone's going to die, except for maybe Jeru and the gods, <laughs> and mm-hmm. lots and lots of Amangeti people, which is unfortunate. <laughs> Lots of zombies. Lots of zombies so are think, going to pass. So we think of the Gatewatch. What, so what's, what do you think is going to happen to the Gatewatch? I think the Everybody. Gatewatch are going to really figure out for the first time how who they really are in connection with one another. We've been kind of hinting at this for a while, um, especially after Kaladesh and Aether Revolt and the beginning of Amonkhet. People are starting to size each other up, figure out where they stand in relation to one another. Having a setback like this or having a situation where it's not a very clear victory, it's really going to test everyone's loyalties and how everyone relates to one another and functions with each other in a group. So whether or not that leads to splintering later on, that could be interesting. But I don't think that everyone's going to walk away from this feeling secure in, in how they did basically in each other and their relationships. Like at the very beginning of the block, remember we see... Liliana looking at everybody and being like, oh, everyone's so useful. And then <gasps> Look at you, everybody, you're so useful. And then, you know, Chandra's like, friends. And this is like, what are friends? Friends are nice. And then I think by the end of this block, everyone's going to be a little bit more cynical, a little more skeptical, a little bit more disillusioned. I dig it. I think that's good. I think it's going to basically show that the Great Watch is growing up. It's going to be a little bit like um, golden era, like Justice League versus like modern Justice League. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, Razaketh? Do we think he's actually going to be a part of this story? I do think, yeah. think gonna he's going to kill be him. Yes. We're going to kill him. We're going to so, kill him. So you think side quests, like suddenly Bolas is here and like side quests, they run off and kill him? No, or like, he's going to be uh, he's like, not gonna well, we've been... Or like Bolas leaves him to fi- finish the fight and then they kill him. Bolas is like, ah. There's so many problems that, that, are, that are coming in. So realistically, Bolas fights the Gatewatch. Bolas always wins. So they have to find a way to not make or to to both represent Bolas truly as this near omnipotent, uber intelligent giant dragon of overpoweredness. They they can't downplay that in the story. They have to perfectly represent that without him just killing the Gatewatch outright. So they need he needs to be both badass yet not be so badass that he kills everyone. And it's really hard to put a confrontation with the Gatewatch and Bolas where that just doesn't immediately happen. Well, so he's like a Bond villain. So he's going to show up and then be like, ah, ha, 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 ha. oh, look, my big trap. And then like, but like they, they, he the wouldn't do that. Of, he's okay. not that stupid. Well, it's Bolas a little... is genius. Bolas is the smartest character in the multiverse. So, so Whose like, side you... are you on? Bolas. Okay. <laughs> I'm on Lily's side. Lily can well, be on whatever he, side she wants. Here's another thought I had. So what if Bolas and Razaketh show up and then Razaketh 
since he still has control over Lily, like turns Lily on the Gatewatch and they fight amongst each other for a while until the until the rest of Gatewatch realize, oh, we got to kill Razaketh to free Lily or something. That could be interesting. Why didn't Bolas just kill them? I don't know. Maybe he, he's distracted. So here's he's distracted with the gods doing yeah, something. Yeah, that's else? what I'm thinking. Maybe they hack the gods. The gods go and do battle, and while they're provi- they're providing some kind of distraction, the gate watches maybe infighting or doing something else. I mean, battles are never really just rarely ever just one versus one in a ring, and then you have all the people fighting the other people, like in West Side Story. Bolus can fly. He can be wherever he wants. Well, I know, but then he, the the thing is that like. Battles so, are generally fought with lots of different segments. You've got a cavalry, you've got an army, you've got an air unit, you've got Wallace the sea. can immolate all of them with his fire breath. Yeah, but for a moment, he's still distracted by a bunch of indestructible gods, which he can then kill. But there's like five of them. Who so says he's that got the gods aren't on his side? Well, this is all conjecture. So a matter, a matter of spacing within the story... I, th- I think that it's highly unlikely that the climax of the story is going to take place exactly when Bolas arrives. No. So he's going to arrive. He's going to do his little drag show. Yep. Everyone's going to be cheering. Mm-hmm. Dragon show. Yep. Everyone's going to be cheering. And then... The Gatewatch and Sam are going to show up and be like, hey, you're... That robe is tacky. <laughs> is is there going to be an initial confrontation and then, like, I don't know, Bolix, like, kidnaps Chandra or something? I don't know. I just don't understand how... Okay, so Bolus is the smartest guy ever. He plays to win. How does he not just win? There's, like, there's nothing the Gatewatch can do to stop him. He took on this entire plane by himself in the past... And one. He's got the gods on his side. He's got an entire plane that worships him, okay, so that is so fanatically loyal to him. So what do you think is going to happen? They're going to use no some idea. terrible story moment and like completely undercut Bolas so that he doesn't just win. You know, winning, to somebody who's used to doing a lot of winning, and I'm not talking about myself, I'm talking about Bolas. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's Bolas hasn't been doing a lot of winning it's recently. Not, it's not all about the winning. It's the journey to the winning. It's He's had a 60-year journey of this. This okay. is the time for victory. The journey to winning that lasts at least six story episodes well, you know, before the... it comes to... <laughs> so, so here's where you know we go back and we talked about the Infinite Consortium. Bolas has Sorry, well, backup plans... Thing. Consortium. Consortium, thank you. Um, so Bolas has backup plans on backup plans on backup plans on backup plans. We do not know where Amonkhet sits in his hierarchy, in his web. So the one thing I can think of possibly is that perhaps, like I mentioned before, Amonkhet's an early experiment that just fails and he doesn't really consider it to be that much of a loss. He's just going to go like, poof, it's gone. And maybe that's a possible reason why he leaves. But I also agree with you. It's going to be really, really tough to figure out how to represent Bolas while also not, I guess, diminishing any of his skills or his reputation as an incredibly powerful, very scary character in the multiverse. It's a little bit like arming Muhammad Ali with like instead of, you know, uh, boxing gloves, like, I don't know, sticking like little poofy toys to his hands <laughs> and then tying his hands together. <laughs> you know? Yes. And and hopefully, hopefully it won't be too bad. But yeah, it's it's really difficult to try to see what, what happens. I'm wondering, you know, if somehow the, the, of the plane itself might try to fight back too. But as we saw before, he had no problem completely dominating Amonkhet. 
So what? So you said I think your point about Amonkhet not being the center plane to, to everything, and then I immediately thought after listening and giving your analysis some very good consideration, I immediately thought, what if the bolus plane closet or closet plane? has like an outfit for each of the other planes and oh, each God. of the other planes he's called something different. So on the Hawaiian themed plane oh, he's like the big kahuna. <laughs> <laughs> and on the German okay. themed plane he's like the Chancellor. He's Chancellor Merkel. <laughs> yes. Angela uh, yeah. is secretly Nickel Bolas. <laughs> and on the United States flavored plane he's the Trump. This is getting a little too real world. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, I, I, I pray. I pray for a badass bolus every night, and I just, I really hope they can do his character justice. You, so you just, you just said like not more than ten minutes ago how we like we're so desensitized to to violence and whatnot, and no, yet, to death specifically, and yet you you pray for a big powerful bolus yeah. every night before you go to bed. I want him to be perfectly. I want him to be accurately represented in this story. But you don't want him to to kill anybody. No, I want the Gatewatch to succeed in their own way. But I do believe Bolus should win if he's if he's fighting as he should. Maybe Amonkhet just. Maybe there is no more Amonkhet. Maybe I'm cool with someone, him wiping the plane. Like, I, I think that might be a real viable thing. And that is how the Gatewatch and everyone else dies. Like, we're talking about a perfect victory here where everyone on the plane just dies. Rasaketh dies. The the gods die. Everyone's the dead. just plane walk off just in Yeah, just and in time. all the planeswalkers just planes walk off just or in Gideon time. Gideon does a big indestructible bubble. Protects yeah. everyone. And it protects everyone and they all manage to go back to Kamigawa or wherever. And that's just that's just how it is. And then maybe that could be really interesting because it shows that the Gatewatch can't solve everything, that Bolus is ruthless enough to completely just off an entire plane, no thoughts, just does it. Totes. And then, you know, then they have to regroup and then now we have a real casualty in the setup against the Gatewatch. Versus Bolas. Mm, do you think Samet sticks around as a planeswalker, is the only Amonkhetti to escape, and then like doesn't really join them and is like mad at them, like chasing around the? Who knows? I, she might join them. She might go. I don't know. But yeah, but the storyline of the the Justice League chasing around oh, Lex Luthor. Lex, yeah, Lex yeah, Luthor. but he's Superman. Superman's villain. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the just the storyline of like, oh, got to keep up with Bolas. Got to chase Bolas from here to the ends of the multiverse to try to I don't, bring him to justice. And I don't think that that's what's going to happen. We know that the Gatewatch entered Amonkhet with no idea what was going to happen. They had no plan, no knowledge, nothing. I think this is going to be a devastating lesson for them, and they need to figure out what the hell they're doing before they decide to do whatever it is they're doing next. Um, I know that Rosewater, or at least someone at Wizards, has mentioned that the next few uh, blocks with Ixalan and whatever are going to be more Johnny-centric. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Well, they're going to be less Gatewatch-centric. Yeah, they're going to be less, less Gatewatch-centric. There'll be so fewer Gatewatch Planeswalker cards in each set. So it's entirely possible that the Gatewatch, they don't splinter and break apart exactly. But after having an entire plane die, that hasn't happened since, like, Sarah. Sarah yeah, Sarah's wrong. So that I mean, that depends could be... on whether you count Mirrodin becoming New Phyrexia. No, but... it still exists. <laughs> it still yes. exists as a plane. He can planes walk there. Correct. Um, 
yeah. So I think that it, that might be the best way of pleasing everyone. But again, do you really think they're going to wipe out the after their first visit to their Egypt, their new cool Egypt plan? You really think they're going to wipe it out on their first try? They, they, they might. They, they might. are totally capable of doing anything they want to do and and actually do it really well. Like Emrakul on Innistrad, everyone was like, oh, I can't speak for everybody, but in my own circle, everybody was like, oh my God, what is, what on earth is Emrakul doing on Innistrad? This is going to tank. It's going to be a big flavor fail. It's going to be awful. And it was really good. They knocked it out of the park. And it was, and Innistrad is forever changed by that. Mm-hmm. There is no going back for those poor Eldrazified people. Like, Thraben, oh, no, 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 uh, Hanwer Township, it's going to keep writhing. It's going to keep <gasps> going through. They're just going to keep Into rolling the on. <laughs> <laughs> They're so happy. So it is totally within the scope of the the story people, the story writers, to absolutely, like, introduce us to this beautiful, magnif- magnificent plane and then... It's hour of devastation. It's not hour of oops, we made a mistake. It's hour of devastation. Mm-hmm. So it's totally... there's some devastating going on. Yeah. So and they may devastate our hearts. Okay. Yeah, I I think that that might be the way that it goes. And I know that the story team has also been hinting at the duality of of Almond Cup for a long time. Yeah. The fact that it's beautiful. Bolus it's going to be ninety percent bolus, ten percent Almond Cup. Ninety percent bolus. Solid so, swap. Yep. We will we will what see about how this ends. What percent Razakath? About He's in the ninety percent bolus. I'm just waiting for him to show up and be like a ten drop. That's five and five black. All, All right. right. This has well, been. Well, thank you so much, our dear listeners, for once again uh, allowing us to uh, walk around in interesting tangents as we discuss the most recent spoilers. Yes. And how on earth are we going to resolve this whole badass bolus while Gatewatch not dying thing? And let us know what you think by tweeting us. Yes, tweeting at us at at Lorgwife. And so with that, thank you so much. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle. I'm Justin. I'm Zach. Yosh. And we'll see you next time.